with a vision, where we discuss all things supervision. I'm your host, Sarah, professional counselor, marriage and family therapist, play therapist, eating disorder specialist, and cookie lover, with my co-host, Heather, marriage and family therapist, certified together in Texas counselor, a Texas transplant from California, and outdoor adventurer. Hi, welcome to Supervision with a Vision. Today we're talking about creating a career as a happy counselor and what that takes. Definitely is a process and it's different for everybody. I know that lots of students and interns wish that they could figure out what that is, but it just doesn't exist. Right. There's no laid out step-by-step process. There's no roadmap. You and I tried to identify a couple of things that we think are important in that process, but uh, it could be different for everyone. And I can remember, you know, interns are in the mindset of like they finish school, they get their hours, and then what? I know that for myself, this is just part of my personality that I have to keep in check. Um, Even as a middle school kid, I started on the swim team and my mom was so confused why I wanted to always go fast, fast, fast. So that has always been part of who I am that she, I was going, well, mom, of course, because I'm on the swim team, we're supposed to be racing. She just didn't understand. I think again, throughout my life, this has come up. I finished college, my undergraduate degree in three years. I don't know why no one was pushing that or encouraging that. And actually when I did finish soon, than people expected me to. My parents went like, well, why'd you do that? Right. Was there a purpose there? No. Right. And and I now look back and think, you know, when I'm 99 years old, am I going to think, oh, I did that in three years? Right. I'm going to think, no, who cares? Right. It didn't matter. Well, I love that you can say that now, but yeah. you can look back at it. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> I did not earn one year back in any way. I Somehow I blew it doing something else, I guess. Right. I mean, that can happen. <laughs> um, I know too that as an intern, I was really focused on getting all my hours and getting them quickly. And I paid attention to the spreadsheet and I was constantly looking at it. Weekly, even daily, and looking for other ways I could get one more hour. Could I get Mm -hmm. one more hour if I stayed and did this at my internship? Could I get one more hour if I did an extra assignment or Mm -hmm. something, get it over with? Mm -hmm. Do you feel like it paid out for you? No, not at all. (laughs) I mean, it was like, what? What what was the push? I mean, I know there is a limited time by our our boards Mm -hmm. that require they get stuff done in a timely manner, but I don't know what the push was or Yeah, why in my I, brain I thought it had to happen immediately. Right. I think I was in the same boat. I had two jobs and finished all of my LPCI hours in exactly 18 months Me too. on the dot. Could not turn them in any faster. <laughs> and Heather, do you feel like the day that you finished those hours, was it any different than the next day? No. In fact, I was a little let down. Like there wasn't a celebration. Oh, no confetti. Or, right. <laughs> no graduation. Mm-hmm. Nothing to say you did it. No Just, one wrote anything in the sky for you. Right. Oh, I think a lot of, of counselors get stuck in that, that they think something will be different. Something right. will happen when all of those hours are done. Do you think that you missed out on anything because you were pushing yourself to finish that so quickly? I think I learned through time. So looking back, I go, okay, I could have enjoyed it more. It didn't mm-hmm. need to be so chaotic. It didn't need to be so pressurized in my own brain. No one else was pressuring me to do it quickly. Right. But I think that I would have got more out of it. Mm-hmm. Like I would have gotten more insight and more probably understanding if mm-hmm. I wasn't just pushing myself to the next time to the next time. I think 
I see that in lots of students where they're pushing their, themselves so hard that they don't have the time in the day to reflect on how they're feeling, how a session went, their experience, that they're just going straight from one session into the next group, into the next right. thing. So when I, in the middle of my internship, I moved from California to Texas, which of course required me to change supervisors. When I moved here, my supervisor asked me in one of our very first sessions, so what do you think that means? How, how do you feel about this session with a client? And I was like, what? How do I feel? <laughs> not time to feel anything. Like, you know, right. I was so caught up in just go, go, go mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. it really took me a long time to like, hey, let me think about this. Let mm-hmm. me process this. Right. And I feel like in different settings, I've had experiences with interns where when I ask that, they do get a little bit frustrated, maybe because they had an agenda. Right. They had things that they thought, no, 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 I need to talk about this today. Right. I've got three clients and I need to know what to do. Yeah. But I do think making time for that is so important for the long run. I think it helps you to create longevity as a counselor if you can allow yourself to enjoy the process, be reflective. Right. And when you enjoy what you're doing, you're more likely to keep on doing it. Absolutely. Heather, you and I also talked about continuing to learn as a counselor is very important. Sometimes we have to define a little bit what it is that we need to learn to stay current with ethic laws, those types of things. I like to sometimes challenge myself, what would give my brain something else to do? Mm -hmm. I know about this, this, and this already. And maybe I do need to take a recertification, but what else could I put into my brain to allow me to have different skills Mm -hmm. to it to help? Right, right. You know, I, Heather, when we were talking about this, I was actually thinking about for the first step school, right? That it's a great foundation that you get the basics. Well, you hope. True. I mean, (laughs) right. That the plan is that you get a good foundation in the basics, but that once you leave school, then you have the opportunity to learn, like you're talking about new skills, something that is exciting, a new expertise. When you left school, did you, do you feel like you had a specific expertise? No, not at all. Mm -hmm. I think I knew a lot of things about a lot of different things and Mm -hmm. nothing really about one solid thing. Yeah. Actually, I hadn't thought of this until just now. In my master's program, as I was completing the coursework, I knew from the very beginning that I chose that program because it had three graduate level play therapy courses. And at the time, that was pretty unusual. Right. And I was encouraged by the faculty to finish my degree first and then come back and take the play therapy classes. And being stubborn, (laughs) I said, no, I'm going to do it the way I intended to do it. I'm going to take the classes now while I'm completing the degree. But that was outside of the ordinary that I was learning and expertise while I was in school. It maybe wasn't intended that way. Right. But I do think there are plenty of students who leave school without specific knowledge about an interest that they have and that continuing to learn those things after school is really important. I think one of the other things that's great about continuing education is that you can take a couple of classes maybe on something you're not sure you Mm -hmm. want to explore further. If you don't like it, you don't do it again. You don't do the next one. Yeah. I went to a day-long CEU that I thought sounded really interesting. I really got a lot out of it. Um, And at the end decided, one, I didn't want to continue getting more uh, continuing education in that direction and that I didn't want to get the credential that they're offering, not because it wasn't valuable and useful, but I thought, oh, I now really understand how this complements the things that I already know, right? how it's similar and how it's dissimilar. um, And so I thought it was a really great CEU. I I really valued it, but decided not to continue. What about, how do you feel when you go to a conference? Mm, I have great expectations Mm. that there are going to be so many insightful things that happen. And there usually are some, Mm -hmm. but I think often afterwards, I'm like, okay, that spurred my interest. But what else? Mm -hmm. So maybe those almost expectation hangover effect Mm -hmm. where I thought all these great things were going to happen and maybe I only got a couple of nuggets out of it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it always does spur an idea. Like, 
like, okay, so maybe I should look more into that. That seems like to be a trend. I should Uh learn something about that. And Mm -hmm. like you said, even if it's not something I end up doing, at least I am aware of those topics Mm -hmm. in our field. Um, I have to admit, I'm a giant conference nerd. I know you are. I get so excited. (laughs) I like plan lunches and like what I'm doing at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. And not that that's the main feature because I totally love every single um, CEU available. If I go for the week, I get every CEU possible. Yes. Um, I, I, it's almost like a vacation. I get so excited, um, that I plan with all my friends that are across the country that I haven't gotten to see in a couple of years. And I make sure we're, are we going to get lunch? Are we going to get breakfast? Which CEUs are you going to? And I'll plan with, I get really, really energized and excited by it. Uh, I would be sad if I didn't get to go to a conference probably once a year because it just feeds my excitement and my energy for being a counselor. And I, I mean, I feel the difference when I don't go to one. That's awesome. Um, so I am always, always encouraging students and interns to figure out how they can go for free, how they can volunteer, yes. how they can get involved, and that creating something like that for yourself, I think, is invaluable. Right. So many interns don't realize that if they volunteer at the conference, they can go for free. Mm-hmm. And not even just conferences, even CE. Mm-hmm. I mean, they can go. I don't know if I've ever told you this before. The uh, As a student, my mentor mm-hmm. suggested that I get involved in a conference, and I went to the Florida Association for Play Therapy Conference a lot of years ago, and I volunteered, and I did didn't know very much yet. I'd only read things in books about play therapy. Right. So this was new. Okay. And at the end of the first day, it was a just a two-day conference. At the end of the first day, my mom called and she said, hey, how's it going? How was the, that thing you went to? And I said, mom, I'm home. <laughs> These are my people. They are so weird and so fun. I don't think I know anyone else who would get it, but I get it. And this is where I'm supposed to be. That's great. After just one day volunteering at a conference. Um, It was cool because actually the keynote speaker is a narrative play therapist. And so since then, she and I have run into each other a bunch. And I have told her that she is part of my play therapy story, that she's now part of my narrative. So, I mean, that just really goes to show how geeky I get about conferences. Right. Um, so something else that you and I talked about related to uh, creating a happy career as a counselor is the importance of being flexible. Yes. So flexibility, I think, is key in working in mental health. For one, the climate constantly changing. What's important for us to be aware of, uh, different things happening in society, and then for yourself, what that mm-hmm. flexibility looks like. Yeah. I mean, Heather, I hadn't thought of it until you said it like that, but telehealth in yeah. the last month that right. all of us have had to you have no choice. be flexible <laughs> or right. not work. Right. Right. Now. Those are your choices. Right. And th- so it's really called on us right. to figure out how to be flexible for ourselves and also for our clients. Right. And when I read the article originally, inflexibility came up for me as one of the things mm. that we were going to discuss. I was thinking of being flexible with certain things in office space, like what days am I willing to work in the office and what days will I be at home? Um, it could also look like where would I do therapy? That looks very mm. different depending on how imaginative I want to get. And then also thinking about the flexibility that comes with this job and making sure I use utilize it mm-hmm. because I have the flexibility not to be in the office nine to five. So if I do want to go to a lunch and a learning opportunity, I can work that into my schedule. Right. I mean, I think it's one of the most important benefits right. of being a counselor. I love that we get to be so flexible. Um, Heather, tell. let's talk more about where counselors can be counselors, because I think there are newer, younger counselors, when I say younger, newer to the field, right. that maybe don't know what that could be. So in a job interview, when I was still an intern, I had a supervisor say to me, can you do therapy in the back of a police car? Mm. 
-hmm. And I went, what in the heck am I getting myself into? And I stumbled around and gave some answer that was good enough for them to hire me. And so later on, I reflected back to him and I said, what did you mean by that? Because I don't see that our clinic, our setting is like that. And he goes, don't worry. You'll see. You'll know. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because I was working with the population that I could see that that might be something that could come Mm -hmm. up. And eventually I got my opportunity to do counseling in the back of the cop car. (laughs) But um, I think it also, that allowed me to learn. It doesn't matter. When I first came to Texas and I was working in a different clinic, the office that was given to me to use was quite honestly ridiculous. No window, probably the size of my master closet. Mm -hmm. Tiny. Mm -hmm. But um, you learn to make your environment what you need. So you start to think about the things that are really important to you. A plant was incredibly important to me in this office with no windows. So I had to go with a fake plant. I was going to say, how did you poor little plant probably died? No, I like found a really good (laughs) high quality fake plant um, that I made sure to dust and keep clean because Mm -hmm. it was important to me to have some idea Mm -hmm. of that happening at the time. Heather, um, I've talked before about my internship site at a homeless shelter where the play therapy room literally was a closet. Right. Um, But my, another internship site I had was at a juvenile detention center Mm. for boys 13 to 18 with third degree misdemeanors and felonies. Okay. And uh, cute little me pumped up (laughs) and inspired by my play therapy conference that I had probably just been to thought that I was going to be a non-directive play Mm -hmm. therapist. Mm -hmm. And I certainly wasn't going to be able to do that at the juvenile detention center, the way that it looked in the textbooks that I'd read. Right. So I really quickly, I had to be flexible and think, how do I make this work in this new place? So counselors all the time have to think of new settings and new ways to make the thing that they know applicable. I also thought when we were talking about flexibility, I was thinking, how many times have you been in a session and someone says or does something and you just think, well, I didn't see that coming. Right. Here it comes. I, and now it's well, here. And that just happened. <laughs> right. They just said that. Or I now no longer will see a client that wears a diaper because I've had Pretty important. one explosive diaper situation and one was enough. And so now I don't do diapers. Right. End of story. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's part of being flexible too, I think. Right. I think it's also important to teach interns that that flexibility only comes from experience and you've got to kind of go within to figure mm-hmm. it out. We can't predict what flexibility they'll need. We just know they need right. it. Um, I think part of this for a supervisee or, or a student is that I want them to be flexible enough to make what they've learned in school their own. That it doesn't have to look like the tape that they saw in group class. It can be the tape that they saw in group class with a little flair of them. Right. That they have to make it their own to really make it most impactful. Yeah, I'm like that with a lot of interventions, especially for interventions with kids. Mm-hmm. Because there's lots of ideas out there about like drawing a heart and filling it with the different colors of emotions, the different mm-hmm. things. But if you don't put your own spin for your client on yes. that, like maybe they don't need to draw a heart. Maybe they need to draw a baseball diamond mm-hmm. and fill the baseball diamond with emotion. Mm-hmm. I mean, who knows what exactly they need. If you don't put some spin on it and have some flexibility with your intervention, it won't be meaningful. Heather, you and I also talked about the importance of having support as yes. a counselor. Yes. Support within your peer support, support within family or mm-hmm. the people that are closest to you. Mm-hmm. I give my husband a lot of credit. When I wanted to go into private practice, he knew it was a dream of mine from the get-go. The opportunity came at a really busy time in our life. We were having our third child. I was still trying to balance my client load and be a mom to three and figure out how that was going to work. And I was like, I wanted to do this thing, but I can't. And he was, are you crazy? Go for it. This this is why 
why you got your degree. Go. And I think because of that mindset and how he really just encouraged me to reach out, I did. Where mm-hmm. I really had almost not given up completely, but like, oh, I can't really be part of this. I right. just kind of have to sit on the sidelines until our family is older. Mm-hmm. Like you mentally kind of tabled that right. for a while. But I think sometimes you have to take opportunities when they're there. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I think about support, um, I'm also thinking about the other professionals around you. Yes. So important. Consultation groups, mm-hmm. um, continuing to get supervision for maybe new skills that you're learning, I think are all examples of that. Right. Or knowing who you know that's good at XYZ. Who do mm-hmm. I know that I can call because I have this new client that has these things I'm not sure about? Mm-hmm. And what therapist do I know that can give me some insight there? Yeah. It makes me think of the book, The Developing Practitioner. Mm. And this is certainly the Reader's Digest version. There's a section written or discussing the experiences of counselors who've been in the field 35 plus years. Nice. And the overwhelming theme of what they had to say was that it is so important to them to have a peer group. Right. And I thought it was really sweet that some of their experiences were that the people that they'd built around them as their peer group were dying. Mm. They'd been in the field 35 plus years. And so some of their peers and their lifelong companions as professionals were passing away. And more than one of them, separate from each other, described that they would go to coffee with their friend and discuss cases with their friend that had passed away. Oh, wow. Because they knew that peer intervention was so strong. Mm -hmm. They knew Mm -hmm. that, yeah. So they were still benefiting from that support, but they said that that's what helped them to stay in the profession as long as they had, that they had those important peer relationships. That's actually quite brilliant. Mm -hmm. Um, So as a supervisor, I am always telling interns to do that with other people around them, but to feel like they can come back to me. Right. And even if we're not no longer in supervision with each other, to ask questions that I'm going to ask questions of them. I've done that. I'm no longer supervising them. They're practicing independently. But I think I know someone who knows about this. I'm going to call them and ask them a question. So it's it's a reciprocal relationship. Right. So you and I also talked about the importance of self-care and knowing yourself as an important ingredient in creating a happy career as a counselor. Right. I think sometimes people don't know what they need to do to take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. Um, There's always things we enjoy. I love a hot bath and a good book. That doesn't necessarily mean right now in my life that fits in very well. So I Mm -hmm. have to know how else to cultivate that. How else can I take care of that? Or how do I make that hot bath happen? Mm -hmm. It also looked like knowing the other pieces of you that need to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. I'm a mom, so I spend a lot of times with kids. I make it kind of a point as a self-care thing not to take kids really intentionally that are my kids' ages. Mm -hmm. Because it's I want to stay in mom mode. I don't want to go into Mm -hmm. therapy mode Mm -hmm. with clients that are the same age. I think that's a great example because that will change over time. Right. That's something that's always changing. The 10-year-old that you might not necessarily want to take on as a client right now, your 10-year-old will be 15 and then that age will change and so you'll adjust. And so continually checking in and knowing yourself. What do you do for self-care? I do a lot of outdoor stuff, Mm -hmm. a lot of exercise. I like to take on new projects and learn new silly things. Like this weekend, I tried a new recipe, things like that. When I think of this self-care and know yourself, I'm also thinking that as a counselor, sometimes that's impossible to do until you do it. I started out in the couple of different internship sites that I've talked about, but also working in hospitals. Mm -hmm. And I really quickly could identify that I felt okay working at a hospital, but some of my coworkers or peers just were not meant to be counselors that worked in hospitals. It wasn't a good fit for them, their personality, maybe the pace of how quickly they could work. It wasn't a fit. And they would not have been able to know that until they did it. So I think that is part of knowing yourself. What kind of people do you work really well with? What kind of people are not your favorite? What setting is just right for you and which right. which setting isn't a good fit for you. I think those are some, right. and I think that that then turns into self-care. Right. 
And if you can say, I'm just not meant to work in a hospital setting and that's okay. And then having a plan of how to implement that self-care, mm-hmm. of knowing that it's okay to walk away. You have mm-hmm. to know yourself well enough yes. to care for it. Or kind of combining our two ideas. What is self-care for me? And how do I know myself as a counselor? I think then sometimes I might take on, like you said, a kid that's the age of your kids mm-hmm. and you think, well, I can do this, but I need to make sure that I'm also doing things for myself. Right. That I'm separating the two completely so that they're mm-hmm. different enough. My mm-hmm. worlds don't collide too much. In my caseload, I know that what works best for me is about 50% clients with eating disorders and then 50% clients with something, some other presenting right. concern. Occasionally, it doesn't work out quite that nice. Right. And I maybe end up with 70% mm-hmm. clients with eating disorders. And when that happens, I know I need to be doing more things to take care of myself when I'm not at work. You can feel the difference. You can feel that something isn't quite the same or maybe mm-hmm. your stress level's too high. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, thank you for listening today. Uh, Heather and I talked about the things that we think make a happy career as a counselor. If you're interested, Counseling Today's cover stories, Marathon versus Sprint, Building a Sustainable Career as Professional Counselor, includes the thoughts from several other counselors on how to build a career as a professional counselor. You've been listening to Supervision with a Vision. Head on over to iTunes to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. Be sure to check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Therapy Academy to join the conversation and get show notes. We'll be back next week with more Supervision with a Vision.